get ready for the weekend with Community Radio's premier sports show. Your new fix of Friday Night Sport. Welcome to the bench. And we've changed the uh, batting order. We'll throw in the English Premier League weekend uh, preview later in the program. Maybe straight after this segment. Because it's time to talk all things cricket. Australia have England at 8 for 271 on day one of the fifth and final test. Australia's retention of the Ashes was confirmed, though, last Sunday in Manchester. I'm not so sure that the partying atmosphere hasn't gone on a bit too long and has moved and wafted across into the preparations for this test match. It might have even affected the thinking of this test match. On the line... And he's got a story to tell himself because he's been tripping the light fantastic overseas. <laughs> he's back in the country. He's the Northern District Rangers captain with only a couple of weeks to go before the start of his season. Nathan Smith, good evening to you. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Indeed. All right. Well, um, first of all, you were out of the country when the events of Manchester took place. Uh, where did you catch that final day from? If you uh, caught it at all. I didn't get to see any of it. I was up early the next morning. I was over in Japan, so it's one different from Tuesday, similar to what we have. And uh, I was flicking the score update on ESPN all night. Well, it was a, a tremendous performance to, firstly, ensure that the Ashes were not handed over uh, at the end of this series. And uh, England did guts it out on that last day for long periods, even though when it, if it wasn't pretty to watch. Yeah, they made us a bit nervous at the time there, and I thought they were going to pull off a miracle at one stage, but uh, we stuck to our guns. A couple of good decisions from Tim Payne, bowling change-wise, created a bit of a miracle there, and uh, we were able to get home in a test, which we really deserved to win. Mm. Well, they've been on balance, Matt Mears, the best, the better of the two sides for most of this series. They've won more sessions than England. As simple as that? Well, they certainly have, and it's come down to... Ben Stokes really to to win him a test and to draw him a test in this series. It's the big games, the the Joe Roots, uh, the the, um, the Joe Denleys, yeah, well, the Jason Roy's, Roy. Jason Roy. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the English version of Aaron Finch if I've ever seen one. But uh, the Bearstows, the Butlers in the in that order, the bowling lineup. Archer came in with Augusto in that second test. He's found out how hard test cricket is and he's not been able to produce the same sort of quality in the next two. So, as I said, it has been pretty much the Ben Stokes show in those two tests where they'd first draw and then won and then he couldn't do the job for them in that fourth test. In saying that, though, in 1981, um, it's always been remembered, uh, Nathan, as Botham's Ashes. The 2019 series will be remembered, remembered surely as Steve Smith's Ashes. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's anyone that's ever uh, batted the way he's batted on English soil, English players included. So it's the most dominant uh, performance throughout a, a test series you've ever, that I've ever seen. And he's, he's missed a test and an inning. So it's quite an incredible, incredible thing we're witnessing. If he uh, managed to bat those three innings, he could have been on target, frighteningly, to be the first man to score a 1,000 runs in a test series. Don Bradman's record of 974 has stood the test of time for nearly a century, 1930, that famous tour with the uh, the triple century at Leeds that set the world record and set his legend on the way. Uh, but it's frightening that if it wasn't for those three innings that he was missed, Alex, he could have got to a 1,000 runs in this test series. It would have been the closest thing we would have seen to Bradman in our lifetime. 
for me, it's the fact that we're all sitting here watching, yeah, the best since Bradman. And I, I don't think that'll settle in until we kind of reflect on that a little bit longer. And, and once he's kind of retired and things like that is this guy is exceptional. And, and like you said, the fact that he has missed out on a test and an innings, he could still, if he gets a triple, he could still get that record. Well, I'm just saying. Well, we have seen his record at the Oval in the past. He <laughs> loves scoring runs on that and pitch. And it's a batter's pitch. Mm. So watch his face. If he, if, I think if we had have gone in and batted first, then we might be talking about that. Well, speaking of which, let's get straight to this fifth test. England 8 for 271 at Stumps on day one. And I think, Nathan, both sides will look at it as a missed opportunity. England... Got off to the reasonable start. They got batsmen in who all got starts and then they all got out. On the other hand, Australia won the toss, sent England in with a questionable attack. Mitchell Marsh came from nowhere to get four wickets and get Australia on top. Um, but Joe Root was dropped twice. Jack Leach is in at stumps and Joss Butler is teeing off. So England could have easily been bowled out for under 250. Both sides thinking, you know what, we let one go here on day one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, well, it was a very slow day's cricket in the end, and I think that's largely due to the fact that Australia was creating chances and not taking them, and England batters just never really looked comfortable until Josh Butler opened his shoulders at the end. Uh, really, even going into day two, Australia's vital we not be too over, otherwise Josh Butler could do some damage to us and get their English score up above 300. Well, an interesting stat having a look through the bowling figures from this first day. Nathan Lyon only bowling four overs out of the entire day. He did look tired in that fourth test. They did say that they needed to pick Mitch Marsh because they needed that bowling option. Was perhaps maybe four quickies and then the spin of Travis Head and Manus Labuschagne the answer if... Uh, there, he can only get four overs of spin out of Nathan Lyon on one on a, in, a, in a whole day. He's as well. Like, he's super good. His finger back together. So he's playing... <laughs> well, that is pretty common for a, for a finger spinner exactly. or for a, any sort of spinner that they have to do running repairs. Running on. repairs. <laughs> but, um, but for them to only get four overs out of him, Nathan, that certainly would have been the plan. Yeah, that's a, it's a concerning start to really come out of day one for the Aussies because the oval traditionally turns, it gets quite dry and hard going towards the end of the test match so uh, I hope he's like, not carrying anything and he can get it through and hopefully then a test victory at the end because it'll be very much needed and if he can't bowl then well, it begs the question as to why he's playing And speaking of which we go to the rest of the selection, okay Mitch Marsh has done the job with the ball until he went off with that uh, cramp late in the day but I've got serious doubts and misgivings about the brittleness of this top order. Uh, it's virtually announcing to the world that we're, that Australia are relying on Steve Smith to score all their runs with Matthew Wade, who did a serviceable job in partnership with him at Manchester uh, in that uh, second innings on day four, coming in at number five, and Mitchell Marsh coming in at number six. I don't think he's a first-class number six, let alone a test match number six, Matt Mears. It, it is certainly an interesting selection. They wanted that extra bowling option. But to pick Marsh and Siddle in this same test, obviously they planned that they needed a lot of bowling with maybe if they didn't think they were going to get a lot out of Nathan Lyon in this first innings. But to, to leave a, a fresh Pattinson on the sideline, he didn't play the fourth test. you got Mitchell Stark, who only played 
the fourth test. They have still have a lot of bowling left in them and then a, a sizable break after this test match. I don't think that you can pick a team with both Mitchell Marsh and Peter Siddle on that sort of pitch. They needed something a little bit different. So, And we saw Siddle in his first couple of spells. He was very un-Siddle-like. He was going at six and over at one point there. He did come a little bit better in that second innings. He In the second session, my apologies, he did pitch the ball up. But he certainly was looked a bit off. And he looked like he was lacking bowling, Nathan. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's an interesting selection as well, along with the Lions uh, questions that have been asked. Um, they are very similar. And with Hutchinson and Stark, who Stark bowled very well in the last test as well. Um, and with his variety being left arm, it begs the question as to why not. So um, why not more than why if it's still... Um, so it'll be interesting to to see how they fare this morning and then going into the second innings, they'll really need to produce something that um, not that isn't out of the out of the question, but something that they don't tend to do uh, naturally with their bowling. Well, what will happen is that it'll be another alliance you want to talk about. People carrying stuff and sides and on backs. I feel you, Steve. Pat Cummins. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Pat Cummins is a man who's carrying a lot of things on his back with this attack at the moment. Likewise, Josh Hazelwood. And Cummins, hard to believe that this man was three, four, five years ago thought of as being wrapped in cotton wool in, in, in you know plastic sellotape for the fear he would fall apart. He's now Australia's best and strongest bowler, ready to bowl another 15, 20, 25 overs in the day, but how long can that last until he breaks down again, Matt? Well, that's yeah, an... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, well, you go, Nathan. But said it, it is an interesting one that they're managing all, all the bowlers through this series, except Pat Cummins. He's played all five tests. Mm. Yeah, he's an absolute machine, and wrapping him in cotton wool for those four years so that he can become an number one bowler, maybe that was the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> uh, but he's just incredible. Keeps performing for us week after week. And uh, let's hope he can do it one more time for us in the series. Top of the Australian order when they eventually go out to bat. The English opening partnership of 27 last night mm. was the biggest opening partnership of either side so far in this test series. It's so telling. 27. That's a telling statistic. Mm. So Harris and Warner don't have any form to speak of at all. Harris seemed to be leading the charge when it came to the celebrations after the Manchester win. Oh, come on. Steve Smith with those glasses. Come on. <laughs> Steve Smith was there, but Steve Smith can afford to do that. He's got the runs in the bank. Marcus Harris hasn't. And for Marcus Harris to start running around and jumping all over Channel 9 journalists <laughs> like Tony Jones and spraying champagne all over the place, you know, it's a, it may be time for him to switch on because there is competition at that top of the order, Nathan. Yeah, definitely. It reflects how much of a dominance opening bowlers have had over all the batsmen uh, uh, this series. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely, Harris needs to sort himself out, along with David Warner, who we've been expecting to perform this whole series uh, and just hasn't quite delivered. So, um, big stage for them now to get us off to a good start and do what their job is. 
Well, we know what's going to happen here, Matt, don't we? Stuart Broad will come round the wicket to David Warner and Marcus Harris and just keep bowling that line and hitting pads and firing Blake's LBW again. But that's that's, that's what the, the it's been about. It has been a dominance of opening bowlers, and it's something we haven't seen in a long time. Being a bowler myself, I do like to see yeah. that it, it can sometimes be in the favour of the bowlers in some way. And the, the opening bowlers are in their prime. They're able to make that new ball talk. And as we were, you were saying before, if you're a top-order batsman, unless your name is Steve Smith or Rory Burns from Surrey in the English side, they've not been able to handle this new ball. The Usman Kawajas, who was Mr. Reliable for Australia, he's no longer there. Joe Root, who was number one batsman in the world, talked about the big four. Now we're talking about the big three. There's the been big a lot one. of... Or the big one. <laughs> the big one. Well, the, well the, so there's Kane Williamson and Vera Colley still out there. They're not playing in this series, but they're the big three with Steve Smith. But Root was talked about as the big four in that in that group. Mm. Now he's dropped way off because of this. But it's just showing that even the best batsmen cannot play these champion informed bowlers. And sometimes we need that in cricket. We get a lot of batsman-dominated games in T20 and we want to see who can hit the ball mm. furthest outside. It's a game against bat and ball. Sometimes they need to be looking out for the bowlers here and it's great to see that they've had some just rewards Nathan in this series. Smith, I can hear I can hear you <laughs> nodding in agreement in the background as an opening bowler yourself saying, yes, let me Preach. bowl on some of these decks. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You read my mind. So. <laughs> It's great to see the bowlers finally come out and have a, you would say, dominance, which we haven't seen at all. We've just been seeing monster scores. So it keeps it exciting, and that's why everyone's still sitting up to watch it at night. <laughs> all right, then. What's sleep? No, what's sleep, <laughs> exactly. You're almost there. <laughs> almost there. Three more days to go. Or four. Whatever oh, the case may be. I don't know. I haven't slept in months. <laughs> He's going to play fourth grade tomorrow. <laughs> So he needs some. I think sort of a lot of you guys morning. will be in the same boat. Well, though. speaking <laughs> of which, speaking of which, though, Nathan, down to business with the with the Rangers. You missed their uh, practice game last week, but you'll be playing in the practice game tomorrow. The last match, the last hit out before the opening day of the Belvedere Cup first grade season, which is a fortnight tomorrow against Penrith at Mark Taylor Oval. Yes, I'm. I'm actually missing tomorrow. I'm carrying a couple of niggles, so I'm going to oh. be sitting oh, no. on the sideline watching. Uh, but. Look, it's exciting time. We had a good win against uh, Blacktown. Um, saw Scott Rogers score some runs and the bowlers share some kits, which is exciting to see. And uh, look, where the season is it's about to heat up, and we're going to be hitting hitting the ground running coming round one. It um, is going to be a different kettle of fish against the the neighbours from down the road in the Battle of the Pacific Highway tomorrow. There's never any love lost between Gordon and NDs, even in a practice game. It'll be a different kettle of fish with all due respect to Blacktown tomorrow, won't it? Uh, you'd imagine so. I think we'll, both teams will be firing and ready to show what they've got and trying to get as near full-strength team out as they can. Uh, just so they get used to playing with each other come round one. Um, so very exciting and we're pumped and hopefully we see a good out tomorrow. Well, you'll be right then for round one. It's just only a few uh, niggles that you've got? Yeah, just a few precautions at the moment. So fingers crossed round one and... Everything's going to plan so far. Nothing uh, in Japan where, where, <laughs> where you were that may have exacerbated those niggles at all? Or, uh, oh, hang on, yeah, what goes on tour stays on, on tour. tour, I forgot. Oh. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing's happened over there, so you can rest easy with that. Okay, fair enough. All right, then. Um, it's been an exciting few months. It's been a tremendous northern summer in the UK, a World Cup and an Ashes series. Um 
in the same season. Supposed to be separated uh, the ashes to avoid that, and yet all of a sudden we have that now. So I can't figure that out, and that's probably had a bit to say uh, in the in the final outcome, whatever that may be. I just hope that you know Australia can perhaps not only if not win, certainly not get beaten because we haven't had a drawn ashes series since 1972. That was the last time we had a drawn ashes test series, home or away. We've had a result in every ashes test series since then. And in 1972, it was the other way round. England had secured the Ashes in the fourth test at Headingley on the Fusarium pitch. Derek Underwood took a bag of wickets. And then Australia came back in the final test at the Oval to draw that series 2-2 with a view to the future. Um, it left the English anti- in an anticlimactic state. Mm. Um, I just hope the same thing doesn't happen this time, Nathan, the other way round. Yeah, well, let's just hope the trend continues with one team winning outright. Uh, and see Australia perform well today and set up a great test match and finish the series off on a winning note. Well, you can look at... We're having a quick look at the weather radar and uh, it's nice and sunny, mid-20s, exactly the opposite from when I was there in the middle of summer in June. Um, But... It said if they're going to at least get a draw out of this game, Australia, they're going to have to do it the hard way. They're going to have to play a full five days. So this will be where the this is where it's won and lost. But whether it's three one or two one for Australia to to take mm. home the Ashes from England for the first time since two thousand and one will be a huge, huge achievement. And it starts with taking those first two wickets today inside the first few overs. Otherwise. On what appears to be excellent batting conditions, it could get away from Australia. Nathan Smith, thanks for your time. We'll let you rest up. Um, get those uh, niggles sorted out, and we'll speak to you next week in the uh, countdown to day one, round one, in a fortnight at Mark Taylor Oval against Penrith. Thanks for your time. Sorry, no guys. Thanks for having me. Nathan Smith, the uh, Northern District Rangers captain, on the bench. Matt Mears, you're waving at me. Well, I just wanted to uh, remind everybody that we did have part one of our Belvedere Cup, New South Wales Premier Cricket um, preview on out Tuesday on night. Splinters on it's Tuesday out, it's night. It's out now, and it's out now on Splinters. It's out on Splinters. Up. Wherever you find your good or bad podcasters out there, we had Tim Crawford from Gordon join us yep. to preview the first 10 Absolutely. teams. We will have Nathan Smith when we can time down long enough to join us for an hour to preview those second 10 teams. That will be on in two weeks' time after the Tuesday, Rugby World Cup. Tuesday week it will be. It will be Tuesday yeah. week. That'll so be. we are covering that uh, New yep. South Wales Premier Cricket on splinters. So we've, And our first one with the girls and the Shires one has been going gangbusters as well that we did two weeks ago. So if you're on the, the podcast, make sure you go um, listen to both those cricket ones as well. They've been really big hits. That's at podcasts.com. Just type in The Bench. Splinters. Words, Splinters the Bench yes. podcast. How, how scary is it? I'm just having a look on the on the test match records for mm. this year. Even though Steve Smith's only played four tests, mm. the next best is Ben Stokes. He's had eight tests. He is already 111 runs in front of the next best player being Ben Stokes. Then you drop back to Rory Burns. And then you look down the list. Let's see, going through, going through. Oh, I can't see any of the the top nation in Test cricket currently. There, oh, okay. Sorry, Vahari is a, the best the best Indian batsman we've 
331 runs. This well, they haven't played a lot of season. test cricket, though. The, 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 st- the statistics can be skewed a little bit. You've got to remember, mm. this has been a one-day cricket year. The mm. World Cup was the main focus for the first half, first three quarters almost of the year. Now some test matches have been played at the back end. I mean, India cleaned up the West Indies <laughs> during yeah. the week in their test series comfortably enough. Uh, so That wouldn't be hard. It's Well, hang on. The West Indies beat England at home in January. Don't forget that. So, you know, figure that out. I saw yeah. Afghanistan also beating Afghanistan Bangladesh beat as well, Bangladesh. which is awesome to yeah. see. Afghanistan beat Bangladesh in their test match during the week as well. But the Windies, Rashid Wind- Khan, Rashid 11 wickets. Khan, yeah. Yeah. But the Windies play better away than they do at home. But I don't know, you guys, in January. You, you guys may have touched on it last week about the passing of Abdul Qadir. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. we... That we've seen and we've watched here before, like back in the eighties, one of the best spin leg spin bowlers ever. Abdul Qadir kept the torch alive for leg spin bowling in the era of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, aka the West Indies pace attack. Mm. Um, leg spin bowling mm. could have very well died internationally if it wasn't for Abdul Qadir. That's a fair legacy Matt Rears to leave behind to it the game. Is, particularly when you see the, the likes of SK Warren and that the rest that follow. Morally. Well, yeah, we, 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 we go to spin bowling as a whole and, yeah, and you look at how it changed the game in the 90s and then it changed short-form cricket as well with T20 coming along and everybody's saying that's going to be the death of spin bowling. Now everybody picks three spin bowlers in their T20 team. <laughs> Correct. As I said, we, could, we owe a lot to Abdul Qadir. You bet, you we owe so it. much. And lost so, so young at the age of 63. His son Usman is the reminder. I've seen Usman Qadir bowl, spinning image of the old man with his mm. in down to the action. Yeah. Mm. Um, absolutely. Maybe not as good as the old man, but you know what? There's no shame in that. 236 test wickets for Abdul Qadir at a time when leg spin bowling was on its knees, when spin bowling was on its knees under the thumb of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in that West Indies pace era. May he rest in peace. 